to all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator in What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educators Show. I guarantee in this episode, you will be inspired. Our guest is going to share with you his amazing journey, his amazing story of perseverance through all kinds of challenges. As someone who has hidden disabilities, including dyslexia, he shares his story that goes from what he says, the short bus and then it travels all the way through elementary school to high school, into college, and now to stardom, as he is a famous poet, author, international speaker, and podcaster. I've been lucky enough to hear him talk in person, and obviously in the interview, and I'll tell you, I came away with the same exact feeling, like shivers that ran down my spine, because he finishes with a poem that is so inspirational, you are really going to enjoy listening to this episode, ladies and gentlemen, because Lederic Horn's story is just amazing. Brace yourselves. You're really going to like this. Here is Lederic Horn. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's an absolute honor, and I'm super excited to have someone with an incredibly inspirational story on with us tonight. Lederic, thank you so much for jumping on with me. Thank you for having me, Kyle. So I know you're a busy guy, so I'm gonna, I, I want to get right to the chase of why I brought you on, but I do want to share with the audience that I had an absolute pleasure of sitting and listening to this guy about five years ago, and he blew my doors off. And as someone myself with ADHD, not dyslexia, but ADHD, was super inspirational and I thought, wow, did I need that message when I was a young person, right? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I would have had that message then. But I know you do so much good work. Can you tell the people what, what you're into now and you're in all kinds of things, but in general? Well, I, um, uh, I, I consider myself to be a poet, a speaker, and an advocate. Um, and so um, I am a writer, and I think that that's sort of the foundation of, of what I bring to this work. I'm a performance poet. Uh, also co-author of the book, Empowering Students with Hidden Disabilities, A Path to Pride and Success. Um, I uh, am asked to do and um, put my whole self into doing professional developments like the event that, that you went to. Um, and I'll do those for school district staff. Um, I do a lot of keynotes and workshops at professional conferences. Um, I'm also sometimes the guy that'll come in and be the school assembly person <laughs> where I talk about disability and identity and equity and those sort of issues. Um, I'm also a co-host of the Black and Dyslexic podcast. Um, and I think more than anything, I, I really just, uh, if I was to say sort of overall, my work is about just trying to make the world a better place for people with, with disabilities. And I believe you do. I, b I absolutely believe you do. And as, as someone who works in the field of special education, I can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing. 
could you take a couple minutes and share your amazing story of perseverance? I know school, your school life growing up was not the easiest in the world and kind of take everybody through that adventure uh, all the way up to where you're at today and, and maybe discuss a little bit of the challenges that you faced. Sure, sure. So um, uh, I, I am from central New Jersey. And uh, I think part of the reason why I've been so successful is because I was born into a family with uh, a lot of support, two amazing parents. Um, and my mother uh, always used to say when I was a little boy that I was a very bright child. So she just knew that when I got to school, I was going to do amazingly well. And that was true for kindergarten. But by the time I got to the first grade, um, it was clear that I couldn't perform as well as other students. So I um, ended up repeating the first grade. Um, I actually started out in a private school. And then after that, that second iteration of the first grade, the school basically said to my parents, you should take him back to district because we don't have the supports that he needs here. And so um, got through the second grade. And then by the time I was in the third grade, I was identified as well. the first label I was given was that I was neurologically impaired. So I couldn't read as well as other students. I couldn't spell as well as under other students. Um, I actually, my spelling was so badly impaired that I didn't know the different letters. And, you know, this is when I was uh, nine years old in third grade. Um, and so first it was a resource room, you know, trying to give me just extra support. But then it, it, the, the school and my family determined that it, the best thing for me was to be placed in the special ed. And I say placed into special ed because in the district that I was in at that time, special ed was very much a place, you know, and so I was placed in a classroom at the end of the hall for three and a half years. Um, same teacher, same teacher's aide, same students. We were very segregated from everybody else. Um, I, I remember like going out to recess and it was just us, our class on the playground, right? Um, yeah, and so I, I went through that three and a half years um, and it slowly sort of worked away at my self-concept, you know, and so I started changing the language that I use to describe myself, um, calling myself things like dumb and stupid. Um, but I, I do want to say, and I think it's, it's appropriate both for me speaking to you as a special educator and to all the educators out there, is that my first special ed teacher was named was Miss Priscilla Yates. And she was so good. I remember her first and last name. <laughs> all right. And Miss Yates had a teacher's aide named Miss Norsha. And these two women were remarkable educators, right? So my parents could see a, a jump in my uh, reading ability, my spelling ability. I was, you know, still not on, on grade level, um, but uh, they could see me beginning to learn skills that they hadn't been able to teach to me. Um, and, I, and I always like to point out that I think one of the key things uh, about Ms. Yates and, and maybe her approach to education was that I was clear that that woman loved us. She loved each and every one of the students in her classroom. And even later on in life, as I went through a lot of emotional pain and, and kind of was going through some real dark stages of my life, I do think that it was the love of Ms. Yates, the love of other teachers, of coaches, um, as well as my family and my larger community that really helped me to pull, pull through. Um, but Ms. Yates, despite that, was still operating in a system that was not inclusive, but, you know, centered around this idea around, you know, segregation as being the rule. Um, you know, I, I even went to and from school on a short bus. So we weren't even allowed to have, you know, 
uh, inclusive uh, transportation. Um, and so it worked away at me and I get to middle school and I'm, I'm still in special ed, still on an IEP. Uh, high school for me was very challenging. Um, I had um, begun to sort of come into myself as being someone who could draw and paint. I was an artist, uh, visual artist uh, as, a, as, a, as a kid. Um, I was an athlete. I ran track and cross country. Um, and, um, and I was, I was, you know, I was beginning to sort of be well known, but it was, it was contrast with kind of having this dark secret of being a student who was in special ed, right. Right. And being in a school where it felt like that was something I, I was certain it was something that you were supposed to be ashamed of. Right. Um, and my struggles with reading and spelling and doing math and paying attention, all of these things were things that I was, uh, I was embarrassed about. And, and I think the, one of the, the biggest issues that I had was that I didn't have the language to really talk about both who I was sort of, you know, cognitively, um, that aspect of my identity. Um, and I didn't have the language to really articulate how it felt to be in this sort of othered state within my school, you know? So, um, yeah, so things got worse for me the closer I got to graduation because I knew I was going to graduate. I was certain they had kept progressing me along and I knew I was going to graduate, but I had no idea what the adult world looked like for someone like me, right? Someone who could not read well, who I like in high school, I couldn't write a grammatically correct sentence. Um, my math skills were subpar. And what I knew about the adult world was like, you went to college and I didn't think folks like me went to college, mm -hmm. right? Um, or you went to work and I knew I could go to work, but for me, work felt like it was going to be um, like, I'd be a janitor, I'd be a carpenter. I'd, I would do some sort of work like that. And I come from a long line of carpenters and farmers. So I don't demean that, that sort of work at all, but it just felt like there was something else that my life was meant for, but I didn't feel like I had been prepared for it. Right. And so the winner of my junior year of high school, I think was really critical because I knew I had the senior year, then I was going to graduate. And um, that winter of my junior year, I just became like emotionally exhausted. I could not pass for normal anymore. Um, and I, I had what I self-describe as a, as a breakdown. And then um, from that, I, uh, I was fortunate that, again, I've always been a real resilient person, but I, I used that breakdown as a as an opportunity to sort of take a pause in my life and just re-examine who I was. And so I um, spent a lot of time digging through different philosophies and um, history and uh, a whole bunch of different things that, I, I don't know, I was just sort of chasing after this big, who are you, where do you fit in the world sort, right. of, sort of questions. Um, you know, as a 17 year old, it's <laughs> <As a, laughs> tough to do it. So, right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I say like, I, you know, I, I think I've been able to do so well because I had my, my midlife crisis when I was still a teenager. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I came out of that. And the, the biggest thing that I realized was that like, I wanted to have a, a future that I could be proud of. And so um, I decided I was going to go to college. Now I had no roadmap for what that was going to look like. I didn't know what schools I was going to go. I didn't know anything like that, but I started talking real passionately about I am going to college. And so I, um, with the support of my IEP team, I ended up at a local county college, Middlesex County College, which um, 
was and still is an excellent um, uh, county college, a great, a, a great post-secondary uh, education institution. Um, and when I was there, they were like in the top five of all associate granting institutions. Wow. You can actually get a, a bachelor's degree from there now through uh, uh, relationships they have with universities here in the state That's of New great. Jersey. Um, but I went there because primarily because they had a support program with, for students who were dyslexic, who had ADHD. Um, and um, I remember I had it was competitive. So I had to apply. I had to be interviewed uh, on paper. I didn't look like someone who could be successful in college. Right. I had spent, you know, what they were really looking for is could you perform in a in a mainstream, right, in an inclusive educational setting, right, in class with everybody else. And I had very little evidence on my transcripts that that's, that was something that I could do. Sorry for the quick break in the action, everybody, but I wanted to give you some really important information and let you know this episode is brought to you by the Recharge Family YouTube channel. On our YouTube channel, we're aiming to help parents and educators by providing you with content that's going to help build up the kids in your lives. That's why in 2023, we're putting a big emphasis on confidence building. So much so that we're actually in the middle of developing an entire course with videos and activities and downloadables. You want to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can hear about more of this in the coming days. Also, while you're on our channel, you might want to check out our shorts videos. They're getting thousands of views. And those views are mostly because our kids and our pets are doing amazing things and I'm pretty much making a fool of myself. Also in 2023, we're pretty excited about the release of a recharged family merchandise line that's been designed by our whole family. Check out the link in the show notes and you'll see how we've tried to design all kinds of merchandise that will recharge and empower everybody, kids, adults alike. And whether it be shirts and hats or mugs and bottles, we've got all kinds of stuff. Finally, if you haven't done so already, follow us on social media at Recharge Family, where we're on Instagram, Twitter, and yeah, we're on TikTok. As always, thanks for listening and watching. It means more than you realize. Now back to the show. But the lady who interviewed me, who was Elaine Weir, you know, and I, I was just reflecting on Elaine uh, <laughs> a few days ago, because I think, you know, probably all of us are, are, are like this, that there are just these people who show up in our lives and make could be small decisions or just a small phrasing, but it, it lands in your life at just the right time. And so, you know, Elaine was clear, like I had a chip on my shoulder, right. You know, like I had, you know, I was in special ed and it was like predominantly um, black and brown boys um, who were in there. There were, you know, these like a lot of like middle-aged white women who were the educators. And it was like, yo, it's like another one of these sort of <laughs> dynamics. Right. Right. And, um, and Elaine was like, no, I'm just going to give this guy a chance. Hmm. And, um, and we're, we're good. We're good friends now. Um, and I have sent a lot of students in our area, like go talk to Elaine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like she's, she's still there. Um, so I get into this program and they start teaching me number one, how my mind works. Um, number two, I start using accommodations for the first time. Um, and then, I think one of the sort of intangible things that I that I really lean into and that I encourage a lot of educators to help facilitate within their schools is that we started building, I started really being able to build community with other people who had dyslexia, who had ADHD, who had other learning challenges. Um, 
And, you know, and I, I define that as not like just being in the same space, but we were encouraged to talk about our challenges, the, the way in which we were solving the different problems associated with being uh, neurodivergent students, you know, in a, in a, in a uh, in higher education, um, to, to cry together, to laugh together, you know, to do all that stuff. It's and, powerful stuff. Yeah. And it, and it made a huge difference and it made a huge difference. And so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it took me five years to get through County College. Entire first year was all remedial classes, um, but I transferred with a 3.75 GPA yeah. onto, onto um, I transferred and eventually made my way to New Jersey City University, where I was a part of, part of another support program. And throughout that entire time, I was sharing my story, um, you know, going into high schools, you know, kids would come to campus and I was sharing my story as, as someone who was dyslexic um, and also learning how to write. Um, uh, 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 I discovered that I was a poet, you know, with, through the use of accommodations and those supports. Um, I also realized that with a calculator, it, with a little extra time and a distraction-free environment, I was really good at math. And so I was a mathematics major. Uh, I graduated with a 3.75 GPA. Um, no, 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 no. It was higher than that. It was like three, eight, <laughs> something, something like that. I transferred with 3.75, <laughs> but uh, it was like three, eight, particularly my major was really, really high. And, um, um, and I was, I was kind of recruited out of college by the New Jersey department of education. Um, these two, again, these two great guys, um, showed up and I was speaking at a conference on campus and, um, uh, Bob Hall and Bill Freeman, um, who work at the department of ed saw me and, they ran a series of youth leadership conferences that we do every spring here in New Jersey called Dare to Dream. And they needed an MC and a um, keynote speaker. And uh, they asked me if I would if I would do that. And so I started sort of two careers, one involved in real estate. And then the other out of college was uh, sharing my story and being a part of these sort of larger initiatives, state supported initiatives around student empowerment, student development, um, supporting students with the, through the transition process. And so from those, from that experience and those relationships, uh, I began to tech, connect with other organizations and entities um, on a more national scale. So one of the groups I worked with was NASD, the National Association of State Directors of Special Education. Um, I was uh, uh, part of some of their work around youth leadership and development. Um, and that led to just relationships with departments of ed all over the United States. Um, and then, you know, and yeah, and then being able to, to come in and, and work in districts. Your story is, it's the stuff, it's the stuff of legends, to be honest with you, man. Like, and as so it, it, and this is probably why you, you, you melted my heart so much back, you know, five years ago. And every piece of content I've seen since then is just everything I preach and people in special education preach about, you know, blanket individuals with support systems. And it can be successful. You gotta, you gotta get to them and help them understand their true potential. You went from a student who was just struggling, you know, with the basics of reading and writing, spelling, to, you know, blossoming in college, and now on to, you know, working in an industry that you struggle so much with, right? Like, it's mind-blowing. It's amazing. There's so much good in there um, as far as, you know, the supports of transition services, the supports that can be provided in college institutions, which we, in my opinion, still we have such a far way to go in, mm -hmm. in trying to provide more supports with, with kids who need accommodations at that level. 
Um, just really impactful stuff. And, and, and I wanted to ask you about like the most impactful people. You've kind of hit on a few of them already, I think. Um, so let me ask you this. So since this is going out to, to educators for the most part, do you have any just general advice May, that you think would be uh, helpful for them as far as working with individuals, you know, it could be with dyslexia or hidden disabilities, just in general, uh, any advice that you would throw out to them? Um, so I'm a big supporter of inclusion and inclusive practices. And in fact, I serve as the uh, board chair for the New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. And um, this is an organization that has existed for 25 years working in school districts here in New Jersey. Um, to, to really support educators in creating more inclusive educational environments. Um, and now we've begun um, as part of like my ten, tenure, I really see a need for that sort of support nationally. And so we, we work under the name of All In for Inclusive Education to provide um, that coaching, a direct coaching to educators, to school staff, to administrators. And so um, I, uh, inclusion, like I, even in the way I'm, I tell my story, um, you know, like you can hear the challenge, so many of the sort of emotional challenges that I wrestle with, I think came from not being included, from feeling like I was, you know, not as good as everyone else, not as smart as everyone else. So, um, you know, I think really leaning in an inclusive practices. And so what does that mean? Um, well, a, a, a big part of it is around like building out a school schedule, right? Just like the flow of the day where we can allow for someone to be able to have their accommodations, their supports, you know, using their audio books, taking their tests outside of the classroom and doing it in a way where it really uh, dignifies those supports, where it doesn't feel like some sort of add on. Right. Um, and then the idea also that I think education um, should be collaborative. You know, the idea of like that sage on the stage, I think is, is um, it's romantic, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how effective that is particularly given the diversity of students who we, who, you know, who educators have to address. Right. right? And so, you know, and, and, you know, within all the dimensions of diversity. And so, you know, when it comes to solving any sort of complex pro problems out in the world, you know, people build teams. And so, um, you know, for both educators and particularly for the administrators who are, who are, who are listening, right. Like, that's my test for like inclusion, right? Like, do you have time built into your, the rhythm of your week where educators can get together <laughs> and, you know, and talk about, you know, what's working in your class for Lederic or, you know, like, and, you know, what's the supports that are, that are and then can we call in, whether it be that occupational therapist or, you know, the literacy expert or what have you. So that's, that's, um, you know, those two are, are big for me. Um, I also think that we need we need to broaden the um, the disability narratives, right? Um, and particularly when it comes to dyslexia, right? Like we, you know, when I think about all the stories that I heard growing up about people who were dyslexic, it was like Tom Cruise and, and Cher, <laughs> right? Um, and even now, you know, many of the stories that we tell, they, they tend to be like a overwhelmingly white stories. Yeah, right. You're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and even when you look at other disability categories, white male stories, right? Yep. Um, and even our, a lot of our fictional characters. And so um, I think hi highlighting, you know, these, these these other stories, you know, we need to hear about more more women who are dyslexic, uh, more members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, different uh, ethnic backgrounds internationally, um, because it, you know, it, 
dyslexia is everywhere, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and some of my favorite people are dyslexic, yeah. you know, like, you know, and, and not all of us get an opportunity to share, to share our stories. And I think that if I had had maybe more bl blueprints, more examples, more role models that I could look to, and I didn't have to like sort of cobble together my own philosophy on, on what was possible for me, um, that, 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 I think that would have that would have made a huge difference in my life. And I actually I created a a video series called Celebrating Black History and People with Disabilities. Um, and um, there are several videos in that we've been adding to it over the years. And um, yeah, and it's just, you know, like broadening that narrative. I think it's, it's something that's important. It's super important. And thank you for finding your story and sharing that with the world, man. So yeah, I just can't thank you enough. And in I've seen video clips of you talking with young people and as, as, as inspired as, as, you know, adults are in the room when they listen, like to see the faces of young people who need your message is super powerful, super powerful. I know, speaking of your message, I know you oftentimes will close up with a poem. Do you want to, I'll throw this out there. Do you interested in uh, sharing a poem with the audience? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so the poem that I am, I am best known for is Dear to Dream. And um, it is a poem that I wrote for, really for high school students with uh, disabilities, but I think uh, everybody that listens will appreciate it. And um, it starts out like a wedding. We are gathered here today to bear witness, to bear witness to the union of two beautiful people. Yes, today is the day that we merge who you are with who you want to be making the vision and the reality one and integration born of communication and made tangible by your commitment to yourselves. Now I know some of you may be a little afraid, but don't let cold feet stop you from jumping the broom, from taking the first step, from beginning a journey that will transform your life. Yeah, I know some of you may be a little afraid, but you see, it's my job to show you that better days are coming. Yes, it's my job to be Harriet Tubman-like with our movements and verse. So if I have to steal away just for us to make a way, well, then star, my hand will be the first one in the cookie jar of self-advocacy. I'll use these sticky fingers to pickpocket the pocket of self-determination. And if I have to grand theft auto the Mercedes Benz of a quality education, well, then they might as well leave the doors unlocked and the key in the ignition because I'm going in 60 seconds and ain't nothing, y'all. I mean, nothing going to stand in my way. You see, it's my job to unlock doors, unshackle minds, break through glass ceilings, motivate, inspire, and challenge you. I'm here to challenge you. And so I dare you. I dare you to sit out there in those seats and not feel moved by the testimony of these brave souls who have come before you as examples of excellence. Yes, I dare you. I dare you to step, bounce, and move to your own rhythm. Excite minds and time will redefine this system. I write lines designed to embrace and kiss, plus supercharged like import strapped with nitrous. This is a revolution, a fight for inclusion. Segregation is no solution. Brown versus Ed is how I'm proven. We deserve the best. Nothing more and nothing less. Every child gets left behind when all we focus on are tests. And so I dare you to judge yourselves by a different standard, to lift as you climb, and to fight like gladiators to become master and commander of your own beautiful minds. But above all else, I dare you to dream. Get a dream, y'all. Oh, let's go. 
Man, that's inspiring. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard that, and I still, I always get chills, man. And, and from somebody who tries to, you know, support individuals who are now supporting the kids who need the extra care and compassion, um, your message of just stepping up, believing in yourself, finding the people who can help you and reach your potential is super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Awesome. And to close out, do you want to share real quick, uh, if anybody wants to connect with you or kind of find out what you're up to, uh, how do they do that? Um, so I best way is through the website. So it's just lederic.com. So L-E-D-E-R-I-C-K.com. Um, and then I'm on all the the social media platforms, so Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Got a new TikTok. We'll that makes two of us. We'll see how, how that goes. I'm in the same boat. I'm dabbing in, dabbing into that. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm finding it's fun. I've, you know, I've created a few, um, you know, few clips and, um, yeah, just uh, so social media or the or the website, and you can reach you can reach out to me and learn more about what I do. Great. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for inspiring educators, parents, youth. Keep doing what you're doing. The world needs more of you, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Party time. It's like, sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. Watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs>